Welcome back one more time to Draftville, a podcast of the USA Today Sports Network, originating live from Nashville, Tennessee, where the 2019 NFL Draft took place, and we are recording our final episode just a mere couple of hours after that, and we appreciate everybody who has tuned in and listened this season, and this being our final episode, we'll take a look back at the draft as an event, and also who maybe the winners and losers are from this draft uh, now that we've had a, a little time to digest what went down we'll be talking to gentry estes of the louisville courier journal who is a draft expert even though he's not at a news organization that has a nfl team and we'll be talking to joe Rexroad of the tennessean columnist on his impressions of draftville and and how nashville handled the event and we're here with gentry estes from the louisville courier journal part of the usa today sports network you were here to cover the draft even though uh Louisville doesn't have an NFL team, and uh, you had a, a couple of guys from Kentucky who drew some attention, especially one in the first round. Uh, let's start with Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh, um, he goes to Jacksonville at number seven. Uh, that was probably a little bit lower than would have been expected for him, and a lot of people were thinking he was going to be top five. And, you know, you had some teams that had been, kind of been linked to him, the, the Jets at three, the Raiders at four. They passed on him. He goes down to seven, and he goes to Jacksonville, which I think is a good spot for him. Uh, Jacksonville's a very good defense with a lot of established players, unlike maybe the Raiders, where I think he would have been the star, kind of the focus right off the bat. He goes to Jacksonville. I think it's a good spot for him. He'll be able to to grow into that a little bit. And as an edge rusher, he's a pretty complete player. Um, he, he can get after the quarterback. I think that his real value to NFL teams is, He's good on the edge, but he's also good in coverage. Uh, Kentucky used him a lot that way, too. And I think his versatility is what made him such a strong NFL prospect. Uh, good pick for Jacksonville. I think he'll be a productive player right off the bat for them. Uh, as he went on through the draft, you know, Lonnie Johnson goes day two, as does uh, Mike Edwards. Uh, Mike Edwards was an interesting one in the third round to Tampa. He goes late in the third round. That was a good bit higher than he was expected to go. Um, over the course of his Kentucky career as a, as a safety, Edwards has been one of the better players on the team and the guy that coaches for years have talked about his ability and, and how he could, how that could translate to the NFL. And, and I think Tampa might have gotten, a, 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 I wouldn't say a steal because they, they spent a third round pick on him, but they got a guy who I think could be a better NFL player than he was projected, and I think Tampa saw something there. Uh, another interesting Kentucky pick uh, today in the fourth round, Pittsburgh gets Benny Snell. Uh, Benny Snell is the most productive rusher in Kentucky football history. Uh, you can make an argument that he was one of the, if not the best running back, at least certainly the most productive running back in the SEC over the last two years. Um yeah, this is a guy that exceeded expectations in college. He really wasn't recruited that much. He, he's a guy from the Columbus, Ohio area who was overlooked by Ohio State. And he he went to Kentucky kind of with a chip on his shoulder and, and, and played like it. Uh, he, he proved himself repeatedly uh, to be a quality college running back. And I think the same thing is going to happen in the NFL. I think he was overlooked a little bit in this draft, and I think he's going to go into Pittsburgh, which is a great fit for him. And, and be a very good running back right away. I think the Steelers are going to be rewarded for that, their faith in, in Benny Snell. You know, this is a guy who sat around until the fourth round 
if you look at his college credentials, that probably shouldn't happen. But, um, you know, he ends up in a pretty good spot for him. And, you know, for Kentucky, uh, Kentucky had gone the last two years without a single draft pick. And the result of that, I think, played out on the field this last season in a team that, that got 10 wins. You know, very quietly, Kentucky has improved during Mark Stoops' time as head coach. They've gotten better each year, and it kind of culminated in this last season and in this draft class. Yeah, and uh, let's look at a little more gentry at the, the gentry estes there of the Louisville Courier Journal up at the big picture. I know you don't cover an NFL team, but you are kind of what I call a draft, Nick. I've known you a long, long time, and you know more about prospects than a lot of guys who write about the uh, the NFL because they're kind of focused on the guys who are in the NFL. You have an extensive background in college football, and, and you really study this draft stuff. So so let me get you to lay out your winners and losers from the draft. What teams do you think did the best and which ones really fell short? Well, I, I think just looking at it, for me, a lot of the winners were in the AFC East. There were several teams in that division I thought did very well in this draft. I thought the Jets did. I thought they got the best player in the draft in Quinn Williams early. Uh, they made a, a couple other pretty solid picks along the way. I thought the Buffalo Bills did very well. Uh, they got Ed Oliver in the first round, who was a guy who a lot of people were thinking could be top five. He'd been linked to the Raiders at four. He, you know, he, he could have gone higher than he did. Buffalo stayed patient. They didn't trade up to do anything, and they ended up getting getting their guy. Um, after that, they, they get Cody Ford in the second round, a guy who had been roundly projected as a first-round offensive lineman. Uh, again, stayed patient. Didn't didn't have to do anything to, to 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 get their guy there either, and a running back in Devin Singletary. Uh, I'd seen him. He's he's from uh, Florida Atlantic. Played for in Lane Kiffin system down there, and got about a thousand touchdowns. College running back, a very good player, and and I think a uh, bit of a steal there. I thought the Patriots also had a good draft. Uh, the last pick of the first round, Nikhil Harry, a uh, wide receiver from Arizona State. Go watch his tape. Uh, it, it jumps out at you. And that's not the kind of player that you would have normally seen with New England. Certainly as a receiver, you know, early in the draft, but it's, it was a big need for them and they addressed it with, with the guy I would have wanted out of, out of anybody as, as a receiver. This was not a very good draft for receivers, but I felt like that might have been the best one out there. You had a guy before him, uh, it go in, um, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, who was a bit of an undersized player who you know a playmaker type but I don't I don't think he is the the guy who could be a number one receiver in the NFL the way Nikhil Harry could I think that was a very good pick for New England later in uh, New England grabs Damian Harris from Alabama who I think is a very good running back and uh, they they just along the way did a really good job I think of finding value as they're known to do I mean that's what New England does in this thing and you know, and you look at the Dolphins, who they exit this draft with Josh Rosen, which I, I think uh, Josh Rosen was the quarterback I probably liked the best out of last year's NFL draft. Now, now this last season might have shown otherwise, but I don't think we know a lot of what Josh Rosen can do because he was on a really bad Arizona Cardinals team last year, and uh, that's a guy who is every bit as good, in my opinion, as any of the quarterbacks taken in this thing. Arizona would rather have Kyler Murray. That's fine. 
but I think Miami upgraded quite a bit in getting him. So regardless of what happens for the Dolphins the rest of the draft, I think that's a big win for them. They also got a really good uh, Clemson D. lineman in the first round, too. So who are the losers? <laughs> you know, it's hard. I haven't, you haven't really looked at it today. I mean, everybody kind of gets some value. But I, I think the, the teams that took chances where – you know, other people are kind of wondering, like, well, you could have waited on that guy. The New York Giants, I think, is the easy one. Um, you know, we, we everybody could sit here and, and bash their, their pick of the, the Duke quarterback, and he could end up being phenomenal. I mean, you don't know. But you take him in number six when you have the 17th pick, and I, I, I think most would have expected he would have been there at 17, and you could have maybe done a little something else with, with that pick. Uh, a couple other moves they made here and there. You know, they 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 traded it back into the first round to get um, DeAndre Baker from Georgia. Uh, this guy is a Thorpe winner, uh, so he was clearly a very good college cornerback. But again, much like receiver, I don't think the cornerbacks in this draft were very good. And that the fact that he was the first one taken at thirty kind of shows you that. There were question marks about pretty much everybody, and in Baker's case, he's a little bit undersized. So I, you know, I would normally say you get the best cornerback in the draft. That's a great pick, but I'm not sure trading back in and doing it the way they did was the way to go. But um, you know, that kind of jumps out, and I think uh, you know, I think the Oakland Raiders. I, I think you know, Cleveland Farrell was a bit of a reach at number four. That's that was a guy they. Maybe could have traded back and seen what was there later. Uh, I do think they kind of saved their draft over the last few days. They made quite a few pretty good picks. The number probably one of the perhaps the best value pick of the day, in my opinion, in getting Hunter Renfro in the fifth round. Let, let me stop you there, Gentry. Is, is the upset of the draft that Hunter Renfro did not go to the New England Patriots? I know, right? That's what that's what everyone would have to expect. You know, I kind I've of expected that for the last six years. Yeah, and and I mean you've seen him about as much as anybody. I, right. I think I think Hunter Renfro is going to be a good pro. I, I don't. I, I, that, he, he there is nothing else he has to prove in terms of his ability from ever what I saw of that guy. No, and he catches everything, and he gets open, and he certainly tears up zones. Um, but he, he he's also got just enough uh, uh, wiggle, whatever you want to call it, escapability that he can find. Um, a way to get open against man. Now he's not going to tear off the top of a defense, but he's as good a possession guy. He's that. They are absolutely going to put him in the slot. And I looked at kind of how things were shaping up for their that chart last night after a few of the picks, and that was the first thing I noticed. They need a slot receiver, and they got one. Uh, they got a good one, and a guy I think is going to play a lot and be pretty productive. Um, and. You know, the two teams I mentioned, though, Tommy, as the losers were the Giants and the Raiders. Well, those were the two teams that picked three guys in the first round. You know, you're, you're opening yourself up to more criticism when you have more picks. There were several other teams that, that just didn't have a lot of picks, you know, like the Bears and the Chiefs. I mean, so when you're looking at what you got out of this draft, just in terms of not having enough picks, I mean, you, you can make a case there's losers there, too, because they just didn't, didn't have the capital. Right. Well, let me ask you one more thing, which is, as this was, I believe, the first draft you covered live, but what did you think of, of Nashville's presentation and, and the whole show here, the big spectacle, the 200,000 people downtown and all of that? 
Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it was hopping. It was impressive. I, you know, to have, I think it was, what, 100,000 people, something like that. They said um, 500,000 over three days. Now, that includes people at concerts and, and other things, but it was a massive crowd. Yeah, and it was it was a decent crowd, you know, even even Saturday, even from the day you wouldn't have expected it. So I I I think the NFL's decision to to do this, where they've moved in around to different different cities, is, is has been well received. It's been a good thing, and you know, Nashville isn't. When you look at NFL cities, Nashville is not one of the more prominent ones that you would have expected would get this kind of opportunity so early. I mean, you know, there've been places like Dallas and. Philadelphia, and uh, you know, you would have, you would think, you know, some of the, the the bigger cities, but I think Nashville really, really showed itself well, and, and um, it was, it was a great location for it there at the end of Broadway, and uh, I think uh, all, all told, it was a really great event for the city. All right, well, Gentry Estes, we appreciate you coming on the final Draftville podcast of the 2019 draft season, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. All right, here with Joe Rexroad of the Tennessee and columnist, and uh, we're going to talk about Draftville. We're going to talk about Nashville hosting the NFL draft, and it's over now by about an hour or so as we speak. So, Joe, what did you think of, of Nashville and how it presented and, and held this event? Well, I think Nashville, just like every time Nashville does something in, in my three years here, did as about as well as you could do. I'm sure there were some snags and some – um, you know, issues here and there, but nothing major that we know of. Um, you know, the weather came and it didn't matter. I mean, I think it went about as well as it could possibly have gone. Um, you know, more than 500,000 is an estimate. That's a huge number. I mean, they were hoping for, you know, more than 300. That number, you know, I mean, I've seen people say, now, wait, how is that even possible? Look at the you know, look at six blocks, you know, that's not, but, but it also includes NFL draft experience, includes side streets were filled with people that were at the draft. Um, concerts. Yeah. Con- yeah. Not of course. right there in front of the stage, but they were spread around the, the free concerts. Exactly. So, um, I, I thought it was, it was just a fantastic event, you know, but some bachelorette parties that, uh, you know, should have looked at the calendar and you know, we got a great, uh, we got some great, uh, gifts out of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't think, I can't imagine it going much better than it did. So let me ask you, um, you, you've seen, I guess not, not necessarily up close, but from afar, the other cities that have hosted Philadelphia, Dallas, Chicago, and of course, New York. Um, I haven't seen any draft that was like this, that was that this much of a, of a showing by a city that, that came and embraced it and said like, you know, like it was the biggest thing in town, which it was, but like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing you think about New York, you know, most of our lives, it was in New York and it, it fit in New York, but you know, it's a radio, it was a radio city for a while and before, other places I think before that. And, and it was a pretty sterile event. It goes to Chicago. It, it's going to get lost in Chicago. I mean, I think you know, it was at Grant park. So I think it was a big deal there, but still not, like overtaking Chicago. And, and I, you know, I, I got kind of the same sense from Philadelphia. I mean, they, they incorporated some Philadelphia stuff that I thought was cool. You know, the Jerry World thing was fine, but it's a big football stadium. And, and frankly, anybody who's been there knows, I mean, that's a pretty isolated place. I mean, there's not a ton around there. It's the football stadium. I think Nashville just, you know, Vegas may be the closest thing next year. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, they know yeah. how to put on a show. They know how to put on a show, and that's all right there. But Nashville's just uniquely 
position for this because of how the downtown is. You know, I mean, and, you know, of course, the Predators, Nashville Predators could have been playing here too, and it would have been even crazier. Maybe it's better that they weren't, but I think they would have handled it. But just the music and everything, I think the NFL is trying to, of course, tailor it to these cities. You, I mean, what else? What's better than this? You've got, you can get great acts as they did giving free concerts. Tim McGraw, Dirk Bentley. I mean, those are huge acts giving free concerts. And you've got, you know, all sorts of other musical acts available, and they made that a big part of it. So I, I just think you got a band on the stage that's playing yeah. songs appropriate to each team before their picks. Like, you know, Detroit yeah. Rock City before the Lions pick. And I just thought, boy, how much do you have to practice and learn? I'm sure they didn't know all those songs. Right. But the musicians in Nashville do know how to learn songs. Yeah, they do. There's a lot, and, there's, and that's one thing you learn here, too. I mean, you can go into any place at like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday and someone really talented will be playing music there. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, like uh, Wings Jet for the Jets or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, I thought they just, there was a lot of little detail involved and, you know, I just, I haven't heard anything but people gushing about it. Maybe, you know, in a few weeks someone will say they just had a terrible time in Nashville and man, they better never bring it. But boy, I, I, I haven't heard a peep like that yet. Yeah, and from the city's point of view, and then we'll close it with this, um, just whatever whatever the cost involved were, and I don't know whether this is a bid thing. I don't remember. Um, this this landed before I arrived here. Um, was decided that it was coming here. But certainly money and, and resources, massive money and resources were invested to make this thing with the huge stage and closing streets and police presence. And I, my, the word today was that there was something like I think it was 10 arrests over two days, which is like average for a Friday and Saturday. Now yeah, that, that's that includes Saturday That's a really night. low yeah. number. Does um, that include the Houston Texans tight end? That does include <laughs> yeah. the Houston Texans tight end and the guy who walked up with a replica gun and handed to the police and said, please arrest me. <laughs> and I don't even know what, what that's all about. But um, to close that out, the city, whatever it got for its money, the optic of – when when you take the drone and you fly it up Broadway and block yeah. after block, I mean, I think it went eight blocks by my count, um, and it's thinning out a little at the back of the eight, but it, right. it went a f- solid six, and I mean packed. That visual gets gets Nashville the next big event. Oh, exactly. No, no, no question. I mean, you can't again like yeah, the optics there for the nation. It looks like the coolest party ever, and, and I mean, it was it was pretty cool. Unless you were a bachelorette who got locked out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, for people here, and that's the thing. For you know, people are used to being able to go to rooftops, and pretty much all the rooftops were locked right. up by TV, Corporate. yeah, or sponsors or whatever. But so that would be the. The one thing for people around here, but uh, yeah, no, you can't. And it was like the Stanley Cup final. I think that helped this happen as much as anything. And yeah, this will help the next event. I, I mean, Nashville has demonstrated it, it will be able to put on any party you want. And I mean, the next question, if you talk about Super Bowl or some of those things, are not just about that. They're about stadium, stadium. and all that. But um, no, I don't. I mean, I, I think the Grammys. I think that's a really interesting thing. It's been New York, L.A. since it was in Nashville in '73. And um, if it's ever going to break from from those two, I think it's got to be here, and it yes. would make sense. Music so, City, Craftville. Yeah, there you go. So uh, it was. Look, I mean, Nashville delivered. They know what the heck they're doing. Uh, a lot of people worked on it. I would love to know what the NFL investment was. The city raised two point one million, mm-hmm. and they put in. You know, some, I bet, I bet the CBC the put in pro- money too. Yeah, and I bet the the NFL probably matched that easily. 
Yeah, but the benefit, I think, for the NFL, too, is you know this is one of those events that a lot of people who don't pay to go to football games you know, show up to the draft experience or whatever, and hey, the NFL, you, you're still talking about the future of football and all that, and any, any time you can draw in young fans you do it yeah and you were everywhere you walked um you saw people in jerseys you know wearing their colors and i, I saw every team i counted and I, I eventually saw every team in the nfl yep. but the best i saw was the guy wearing a brett Favre atlanta falcons jersey oh wow wow go find, okay. go find that one somewhere because that was was that a draft day trade uh that was uh that was a guy who passed on the way to the um yeah he no no he played there for he one did year. play he was there for a year and they cut then him he because the he p- was kind of out drinking and partying or something like that yeah. sorry brett um but he was he i saw was not, vikings far one too by the way yeah well but that, that's, that one you see yeah but, that one you see yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I don't think i actually saw packers far but <laughs> <laughs> anyway it was a colorful event it was great for the city of nashville i think it was great for the nfl um so Joe Rex Road of the Tennessee, and thank you for dropping by and uh, talking about the draft and draft fill. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's it for the final episode in 2019 of Draft Fill, a podcast of the USA Today Sports Network originating at the Tennessean headquarters in Nashville, Tennessee, just a mile or so from where the draft took place. Uh, we thank Joe Rex Road and Gentry Estes for joining us, and we thank all of you who have listened this season. I'm Tommy Dees, your host, and I appreciate you tuning in.